new series, message series this weekend that we've entitled Navigating Life, and it's a study of wisdom literature. Now, wisdom literature is a, a part of the Bible uh, that's, uh, you know, books like Ecclesiastes and the book of Job and Proverbs and the Psalms. And so over these next weeks together, we're going to be looking at some of this rich wisdom literature that will truly help us learn how to navigate the situations of life and get the most out of life. And so that's where we're going to be over these next weeks. Um, this weekend, in particular, we want to talk about legacy. And when you think about it, what, what we've already, I've already said this morning is that all of us have influence. And what we do with that influence will make an impact in other people's lives, and the kind of impact that we make will determine the the kind of legacy that we leave. And, and God's Word speaks to this idea of legacy. And man, what a better day that, to talk about this than on Father's Day. Dads, what did your dad leave in your life? Uh, what legacy has he left for you? What mark has he placed upon you? And, and us as dads and moms and leaders and uncles and aunts, what mark, what legacy are we going to leave on other people's lives? Several years ago, someone asked me a question that, that had to do with this whole idea of, of impact and legacy, and I've never been able to shake the question, and I want to share it with you today. The question was, if you knew that your kids, your grandkids, coworkers, students, friends, were going to turn out to be just like you, what would you want to change about you starting right now? The first time that I heard that question, I mean, it, it just wrecked me. I immediately thought of faults and shortcomings and weaknesses in my own life, and I thought, I don't want to pass, those are things that I don't want to pass on to Carter and to Laney and to Gracie and, and those that I work with. It, I want to leave a mark, a positive mark. I want to make an incredible impact in other people's lives and leave a, a legacy that matters, don't you? I think all of us long for that. And in Psalm 112, David speaks to what it looks like to live a legacy kind of life. It's interesting, Psalm 111, the, the, the psalm right before that, could almost be coupled with Psalm 112. Both of them actually follow kind of a, a Hebrew acrostic. They take the, the first letter of each Hebrew alphabet, and they use that letter to start every single first sentence or verse of, of it. And in Psalm 111, we see really a focus on the character of God and who he is and how he has worked. And then in Psalm 112, it's like David turns the page and says, and if you have a relationship with this God, the things that mark who God is will begin to mark your life. And he begins to describe what the godly life or a legacy life will really look like. So I want to read Psalm 112 for us. And I want us to just kind of take a moment and See where legacy starts to just ooze out of the, out of the text. And then we're going to pull, pick it apart and, and learn some, some wisdom truths in the midst of it. This is Psalm 112, beginning in verse 1. David says, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. 
An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. You start to see legacy coming out. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people, he says, will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will long be remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and they're fearless. And they can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And then at the very end of the psalm, David contrasts all this in verse 10. But the wicked, he says, they will see this and they will be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger and they will slink away their hopes thwarted. Because the only person that's not attracted to a true legacy life are the wicked. That just grow in jealousy of what the godly life looks like. So there's some things that I, I take note of in David's psalm here. And the first thing that I think he's trying to help us understand as the reader is that a legacy life begins with a, our relationship with God. Uh, A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God, it will determine how we relate to God, right? It, it, on Father's Day, if, if we think of God the way that perhaps we've had to think of some of our earthly fathers, it, uh, controlling or abusive, or, that'll change how we relate to God himself, won't it? You see, in a legacy life, it's born out of this relationship with God, how we relate to him, and because how we relate to him affects how we relate to others. And in the text, David begins in verse 1, he says, Praise the Lord, how joyful are those who fear the Lord. Well, I thought, I thought this was a good relationship. Well, why is there fear? And then the Lord, those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Well, like, is, it, is, it all, is that what it's all about, like commands and obe obedience? We're going to come back to that. In the psalm prior to Psalm 112, uh, at the end of Psalm 111, David says the fear of the Lord actually is the foundation of wisdom. He's, he's quoting what Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. And all who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Solomon, when he finished uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, after he had kind of done it all, lived it all, had it all, here's what he said. This is the conclusion of the matter. This is everything wrapped up. In one sentence, here's what it's really all about. He says, this is my final conclusion about life. He says, fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. Fear and obedience. Those words don't have, like, a positive ring to them, to me. Do they to you? And, and it's so interesting how David brings this contrast back to our core passage in verse 1. He says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord. Usually joy and fear do not go together for me. Or, and then he says, those who delight, like have, have, have great happiness in, in doing what? In obeying commands. 
When I think about obeying commands, no, that's like a grind, isn't it? And some of us, some of us have lived our Christian life with these two things in mind, fear and obedience and commands. And, and David is saying, yes, that's right. But it, it all depends upon how you are functioning in your relationship with God. Because he says that there's a way to have joy even when we are fearing God himself. And that there's actually a, a great delight and happiness in obeying the commands of God. Years ago, uh, I met a guy who would become a, a mentor in my life. His name's Dan Bishop. Dan and Nancy, we first met them at a Bible conference center. Lisa and I were working there over the two summers that I was going to seminary, and um, we had their, their teenage kids in our youth program for two summers. And uh, their kids just, they stood out to me. Like, the, they were just great kids. And they, they, they loved God. They loved people. They, they were respectful. They, they had joy. You could tell they, they loved their parents. And I remember pulling Dan aside in one of our first conversations, and I just said, Dan, it's been so great working with your kids over, over, the, over this last week. What's, what's your secret? Because I, I remember thinking, you know, man, when, when Lisa and I, if God ever gives us kids, I would want my kids to turn out like Dan and Nancy's kids. And I thought for sure, you know, Dan's got some sort of routine, some sort of rules, some sort of, you know. I said, Dan, what's, what's your secret? He's, and without hesitation, this is what he said. He said, Todd, capture their heart. He said, capture their heart because if you have their heart, you'll always have them. And as I thought about these verses that David writes, about having delight in obeying commands, about having joy in this holy awe and fear of God. It made me think, God had captured David's heart. David came to know the grace of God and the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God. And when his life began to be touched, redeemed, rescued by God himself, he had a new view of God that, that took him to a place where he found joy in having this fear, where he found delight in obeying God's commands because he, he discovered that God's commands weren't meant to limit. God's commands were let, meant to, to free and to lead and to, to guide our lives in a healthy way. That's why I say, I think David was trying to help us see that the legacy life begins with our relationship with God. So how are you relating to God? Who is he really to you? Has he, are you, are you just obeying rules? Or has he captured your heart? Because when he captures your heart, you can't help but want to follow him. Well, there's a second thing that, that marks a legacy life in it. It goes almost without saying, a legacy life lives on. That's what a legacy is, right? It lives on. Good or bad, whatever legacy we leave, it lives on. And, and David enunciates that. He says of the godly, the ones that fear God and obey his ways, their children, he says, will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people, he says, will be blessed. 
then he says, they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds, they will last forever. A legacy life lives on. It cannot help but impact other people. Now, I read these verses and there was a couple of them that I wrestled with right away. I, I looked at uh, verse 2, their children will be successful. What a, well, what about, what about people that I know that really fear God and, and obey his way and things haven't turned out so great with their kids? And in verse 3, and they themselves will be wealthy. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, I've, I've been in India where I saw some people who I know, they love God, they fear God, and they obey God, and they have next to nothing. And so what's important for us to understand about all the wisdom literature, especially the Proverbs and, 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 and the Psalms, is that they aren't, they aren't foolproof promises where... Uh, we just tank this to the bank. They're, they're a common description of how life will go most of the time. But we, we still live in a broken world, and guess what? We're broken people. And, and we make mistakes in, in the way that we pass on our legacy. And even if we pass on an incredible legacy to our kids, our kids, I always say it, people do, at the end of the day, what they want to do. And so things don't always work out perfectly. There isn't always success that's automatically equated with following and loving God. But most of the time and many of the times, these are principles that we can see that will help us navigate life in the right way. And at the end of the day, all we're responsible for anyway is to, is to fear God and to keep His commandments and leave the results in His hands. But a legacy life, a legacy life, it begins with our relationship with God, and it will live on and on. He, he says an entire generation of godly people would be blessed. You never know. We never know what impact our life will make on somebody else's who will make on somebody else's who will make on somebody else's. Well, there's a third thing that I notice about a legacy life, and that is that a legacy life really is a godly life. David next, he just begins to describe it, and he describes this godly life in three primary ways. Verse 4, it says, Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. He's saying a legacy life is a godly life because when we live generously, compassionately, and righteously, we're actually reflecting God himself. That's why a legacy life is a godly life. A legacy life is, is, is gracious and generous because God is gracious and generous. A legacy life is compassionate because God is, is compassionate. And a legacy life is righteous because God is always righteous. He does the right thing every time. It's generous. Uh, and this, this, this theme bears out throughout Psalm 112 in such a profound way. In verse 9 it says, they share freely and they give generously to those in need. A legacy life doesn't grip what it has. A legacy life gives what it has. Shares with others. I think about the ways that people have impacted my life it's it, it primarily been in these three ways, and generosity has certainly been one of them. 
I was thinking our son Carter, he's going into seventh grade and he has picked up drums and he's playing in the school band. And it's becoming his thing. Like he loves it. And um, so we, we found a cheap drum set and uh, put, set it up in his room. I don't know what we were thinking. Um, but we did it. And, uh, and uh, I don't know much about drums. I was a, I was a saxophone player. I, I know music, but I, I, I don't know drums. And uh, so we just kind of threw the thing together, and, I mean, he's, up, he's been up there beating on them ever since. Well, this past week, he got to go to a drum camp. And I thought, man, before he goes to drum camp, it was like a drum set camp. He had to take his whole drum set. In fact, they had required pieces and parts that you had to have so that you could play along with everybody else and learn properly. And I'm like, man... I got to get his drum set, like, up to snuff. Like, we got to get this thing looked at. Like, I don't know if everything's working right. And I knew for certain that the, some of the drums, they were, what would you say, out of tune. They didn't, I mean, they banged, but the, they didn't sound real good. And it wasn't his fault. <laughs> it, was, it was the drum set itself. And I, I reached out to one of our drummers here at the chapel. Actually, another one of our drummers has been generously giving his time and, and, and giving Carter lessons and helping him building into his life. And, and then this other drummer had said to me one time, well, if you ever need, I love, you know, messing with that stuff. If you ever need help. And so I called him last week. I'm like, Carter's got this drum camp, and uh, I probably need these drums, like, tuned up. Could you, what? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll be over. He, he shows up. He's got a toolkit that's just for drums. And, and not only did he bring a toolkit, he brought this whole bin of, like, miscellaneous parts and we go up into Carter's room, and um, he starts, you know, I just asked him to come over and tune the drums, and he starts looking at it, and he's like, oh, hang, hang on a second here. And he reaches over in his box, and he pulls out a new drum head for this drum. He's like, oh, and you, oh hang on a second. You, you need one of these. And then he pulls out this little muffle thing that helps it, I mean, it dampens the sound. Like, that's good. He's like, he's like you'll like this. <laughs> dampens the sound. He, he goes to the next one. He's like, oh, hang on a second. I think I've got one that'll fit that, too. And he we sat there, and he must have given Carter hundreds of dollars worth of drum heads. And just with, with joy, with delight, with, with open hands, legacy, impact, generosity. I want to introduce you to Susie. Susie, the lady that comes to our Port Clinton campus, she's been attending there for about a year. Um, Susie is volunteering now, helping out behind the scenes in our kids' ministry. She's a greeter at the doors to the, to the uh, worship center on Sundays, oftentimes. Susie's not had an easy life. A little over four years ago, she, she moved here, uh, walking away from a a really bad relationship, and literally left everything and came here with nothing. She cleans houses and she's got some little side jobs, but she hasn't had, she hasn't had a car for four years. She walks or catches a ride or has to pay a cab fare. And she's been praying for four years that God would provide some transportation well, a couple months ago, a couple that attends our church, uh, they were getting ready to purchase a new vehicle, and instead of doing what 
well, what I would do and what most people do, you know, we'll trade in the old or we'll sell the old and then use that money as down payment for the new or, you know, whatever. But this, this, this couple had it in their heart. They said, I wonder if there's anybody that could really use this vehicle, though. And I mean, they, they like cleaned it all up and fixed a few things. And they called the church one day and said, we've got this vehicle and we're just, we just want somebody to be blessed. And man, Susie ended up coming to our minds. And there she is with her little doggy <laughs> and her keys to her new used car. And this is what, she, what Susie said. She said, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And look what she writes. Now I can finally go and visit my grandchildren. And I can work in the winter. And I can go to Bible study now too. That couple will never realize the legacy that they gave, that they handed down to Susie. A legacy life is a godly life, and a godly life is a generous life. But, but David uh, gave us three things, three marks of, of, of a godly life. Not just generous, but, but also compassionate. You know, as we were sitting in Carter's room with that drummer from our worship team, what struck me even more than the, the generosity was the care and compassion he had for Carter. He didn't just throw the drum heads on. He, he, he took the time to teach Carter how to put the drum heads on. And we, we sat across from each other, the three of us, and I, I just watched him just teach and, and encourage Carter. And, and he would have the drum key on one side and say, I'm tightening it half a, half a, half a, half a turn. All right, Carter, your turn. And then Carter would be on his side with a little drum key, and he'd turn it half a turn, and then they'd shift around all the way around the drum head, just fixing it together. And just, it wasn't just the generosity, it was the compassion, the care. Same thing in the drummer that gives Carter lessons. He's already told us numerous times, oh, you got to get a better teacher than me. I'm, I mean, I can't take him that far skill-wise. And I remember saying to him, listen, it's, it's not just about the skill. I don't want Carter to just be a drummer. I want Carter to be more like you because of who you are. Because you love people, you serve people, you have compassion and care. Those are the things that leave the greatest marks on people's lives. Generosity, compassion. I, I love, <laughs> love this quote. People may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Let me speak to you dads in the room. How are we making those closest to us feel? doesn't matter what we say. It may not even matter what we do, but our kids will always remember how we made them feel. Do they feel safe, secure, loved, cherished, built up, believed in? And that goes around for all the other people in our lives that we, that we can have influence with. Generosity and compassion, and then one more David lists off. He says righteousness. The godly life is a legacy life, and a legacy life is, is a righteous life. Verse 5, he says, good comes to those who lend money generously. There's that generosity piece again. But then he says, and that conduct their business fairly. They do what is right. No matter what. No matter what the cost. No matter what the cost, even if it's a cost to them, 
because they live by the, these deeper values and principles that God has placed in their hearts. They live righteously. Righteousness makes a mark, especially in our day and in our culture. Man, people don't live up to their word like they used to. People are always looking to, to cut corners. People are always looking for just the easy way out. So there's something that stands out when somebody just does what is right. And it leaves a mark. It makes an impact. It's a legacy kind of life. I love what Kerry Newhoff says. He says, your competency, or you could say your ability, uh, it leaves the first impression, but our character leaves the lasting one. So David is trying to help us navigate towards a life that matters, a life that makes an impact. And he begins by saying, listen, it all begins with our relationship with God. Do I fear him, honor him? Am I in awe of who he is? And, and has he captured my heart in such a way that I now look forward to doing whatever it is that God tells me I ought to do? And, and a legacy life is one that it, it, it lasts, it lives on, it can't help but impact others. And a legacy life is a godly life, generous, compassionate, and righteous. And then this one stands out to me in such a large way. A legacy life stands in adversity. I love verse 6 and 7. It says, such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Verse 7, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless. And they can face their foes triumphantly. There's something about a legacy life that stands in the face of adversity, whether it's the adversity of an enemy, whether it's the adversity of a thing, a situation, a circumstance, where, where they say, I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear bad news, whatever that bad news is. Just this past week, I was talking with a lady uh, in the office. She's been through cancer multiple times. And it's back. And then I was asking her for an update. And she said, yeah, they, they think they saw something on the liver. Now I'm, I'm going for another scan. I don't know how, I've never sat in that seat. I don't know how I would respond. I, I, I like to think I know how I would respond. I, I hope to think how I would respond. But there's part of me that thinks I just shrivel in fear. And I sat across from this lady, and she's sharing this with me. And I sensed no fear. And she just kept saying, God's got me. That's legacy. That's impact. That, that's a legacy life, because a, a legacy life stands in adversity. It, it doesn't fear evil. It doesn't fear bad news. Why? Because there's a confident trust that God will take care of me. And that's the kind of life I want. Those are the people that I look up to. People that can be real about their circumstances, but it, it doesn't beat them down. 
they're built up because their faith is not in themselves or in their circumstances. Their faith is in Jesus and Jesus alone. A legacy life stands in adversity. And finally, a legacy life, it will always be remembered. Verse 9, again, says they share freely, they give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever, and they will have influence and honor. What's my life, what's your life going to be about? How will we be remembered? It was so striking to me when we celebrated Pastor Dave and Donna's retirement. The, one of his friends that spoke um, said, well, I'm giving your you your eulogy early. <laughs> and I, I sat, and I was so encouraged for Dave and Donna, but I was so personally challenged. Because I, I got to, as, long, as many of us did, we got to hear and witness legacy, impact, that Pastor Dave and Donna have had on, on friends and on their own kids' lives. They're going to be remembered well because it all begins with our relationship with God. And they had that right. And, and this legacy life then continues to live on. It affects our kids. It affects the generations after us. And it, a legacy life is a godly life, a, a life of generosity, a life of compassion, a life of righteousness. And a legacy life will continue to stand. It won't utterly be overcome because of what it's standing upon. And a legacy life will always be remembered. So I want to take us back to that very first question. If you knew, if you knew that your kids, your grandkids, your coworkers, your students, your friends, anybody that that your life has the potential to influence, if you knew that they were going to turn out to be just like you, what would you want to change about you starting right now? And you know, God is ready. He's ready to take us on the journey towards the legacy life. And it will make all the difference for you, for me, for others. You pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Jesus, thank you that even though I can look at my life, and I'm sure many others are now, there, there's, there's some great wins, there's some positives, there's some strengths. God, thank you for those and help that to carry on. But God, I know there's things in my life that I, I shudder to think that they would be passed along. God, would you change me, change us. Help us to leave a legacy, a legacy of generosity and compassion and righteousness. God, make your mark on this world using us as your hands, your feet, your mouthpieces. Use us as your love and compassion. Thank you, God, for the people that you have used in our lives to make an impact. And as we grow our relationship with you, God, change us and then use us to impact others the way that you have impacted us.
We love you and we give ourselves to this good mission.